Welcome to the Industrial IoT Podcast, brought to you by MarketScale. I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk. Today we're talking about smart buildings with Katur Nagesh, founder and CEO of Cognito Networks, a cloud-based IoT solution. He'll discuss how the Silicon Valley startup is focusing on automation to help drive the $64 billion smart building industry and what that means for coming trends in smart real estate. Katur, thank you for joining me. It's my pleasure. First, I want to understand some of the challenges of smart buildings. I mean, it's projected to be a $100 billion plus industry by 2022. But what are some of the obstacles for adoption by companies and and customers? First and foremost, thank you for giving me this opportunity to share uh, our perspectives on um, modern IoT specifics to building automation and smart buildings. Uh, I believe... um, there are several markets, including smart buildings, that have been hostage to what I call traditional methods, traditional sensor networks, traditional SCADA systems, often offered by incumbents. Smart building segment fits this uh, appropriately. Uh, It's a huge market, like you mentioned, and it includes HVAC, lighting, elevator, surveillance, parking lot, etc. Problems we see are threefold. One, the current solutions from incumbents are complex, expensive, proprietary, and siloed. Two, each application has its own sensors, its own I.O. modules, gateways, and management consoles. Customers are reticent to consider new opportunities and vendors and mix and match the various solutions because they're afraid if they will get interoperability or not. And and third, the modern methods... uh, celebrate wireless and modern IP protocols, which provide rich security, analytics, and the capabilities of a powerful ecosystem. And because that has not been fulfilled, the penetration has been pathetic. For example, in smart buildings, there are about 6 million commercial buildings in the U.S. alone, but the building automation penetration is a pathetic 15%. We could do better and should do better. I feel if we shrink the payback period to under 18 months, the adoption will accelerate. What is the current average adoption rate or what the time in which it takes for a company to earn back their investment? So if you deploy non-IP-based solutions, I'm afraid the average payback period is closer to four years and often over four years. Uh, based on my conversations with uh, many enterprises. And this is because of the siloed nature. Every new use case a customer wants uh, has to be implemented as a stovepipe, and you cannot really mix and match, like I mentioned. Uh, Whereas if you take the modern ones, um, it is easy to bring it to under 18 months, uh, which is what Cognito has done in its customer engagements. So that's quite a difference there between four years and 18 months. And certainly anybody can see the cost savings and the overall benefit of having that type of fast deployment. So then what are some of the particular uses of modern IoT that you mention? Uh, There's, of course, traditional IoT uh, where these siloed buildings or siloed systems, as you described, don't seem to talk to each other. Kind of paint that picture of what the modern IoT and a smart building automation really should look like. Okay, that's a great question. If you take uh, a building, 
it has many, many services that are required to keep the comfort level right for the occupants and the various companies that reside there and do businesses. For example, HVAC system, lighting, sewer treatment, water management, then elevator management, parking lot. These are all often coming from different companies because companies specialize in certain applications and services. But for a building to be orchestrated, all these applications need to work in a cohesive, holistic manner. And that is where a powerful policy automation that caters to the needs of the people using the building comes into play. And the traditional applications and services actually fail in this regard because of the differences in protocols, differences in vendors' approach to managing the various services. And often, it, I'm afraid to say, it is a vendor lock-in. For example, if you have deployed Honeywell or Johnson Controls or Schneider, you may have a tendency to just look at them again, and you may get one more siloed application rather than looking at modern IoT, which I consider uh, use um, wireless, um, Zigbee, Ethernet, LoRa, uh, IP-based protocols, um, in addition to the BACnet and Modbus, which have been deployed for many years. I think the combination is what makes it flexible and powerful and gives the customers a choice. And that's the approach we as Cognito Networks have taken. Protect the investment in the past and gracefully move the companies and customers to IP-based solutions, which are uh, the most uh, powerful set of solutions uh, that's currently available. Well, of course, we've seen a big trend in emphasizing office space as a collaboration tool for employees, Uh, wireless laptops and phones, so team members aren't tethered to their desk, they can work anywhere in the building. We've heard this term spontaneous collisions to encourage creativity and on how a smart building helps make those happen. Can you describe a little bit for the the company that is considering the power of a smart building and what that can mean for their their workforce? What is the ideal occupant experience that companies can expect from a modern IoT system where systems are actually talking to each other and it's working like it should? If you look at a smart building, it is akin to a city in terms of services, especially a multi-story building which houses many tenants and thousands of people work there and thousands of people visit it. It's literally like a city. So buildings have to be treated like that from an energy management standpoint, safety security standpoint, location and tracking standpoint, services like elevators, sewer treatment, water conservation. And that's the way the smart building paradigm makes us think. Services and applications rather than plumbing, rather than the hardware for elevators or sensors for measuring things. It shifts the abstraction to the services required for people that work, people like you and me. And this is where the context provided by modern IoT is extremely relevant. If you are a registered employee, we probably know uh, which building you work in, your smartphone number for emergency services, uh, your preferences, where you like to park, which building you go to. And if you take it to the next level and integrate into your workflow, it actually can guide you, navigate, turn on the AC, turn on the light. These are all contextually provided 
they may sound cool, uh, but more importantly, I think it uh, drives energy management and conservation, uh, water management and conservation, and gives a better experience for you and me uh, instead of wasting time looking for a parking slot and knowing where your meeting is. And these are all simple use cases that have tremendous benefits. Um, if you shift it to managing the HVACs, the lighting, the elevators, um, there is a potential to save 20 to 35% of operational costs for the buildings, which is win-win both for the property managers and um, the occupants. So, Kitter, I understand that smart buildings are emerging as a revenue source, actually, for for companies. Can you tell me a little bit more about the uh, facility management as a service model? In the U.S. alone, there are over 6 million commercial buildings. Unfortunately, the penetration of what you might call smart buildings or building automation system is a pathetic 15%. And I believe we are at an inflection where um, modern IoT methods based on uh, celebrating different wireless protocols combined with investment protection of older protocols is creating uh, a new wave of innovation in terms of applications and services. And I believe uh, this has created uh, a lot of startups working on it. In addition to the incumbents that we all know, Johnson Controls, Honeywell, Schneider, GE, etc. And there will be a new innovation and a creation of a bigger market, which will uh, provide greater savings in operational costs for our customers, new services that understand the users and their behavior, and lay the foundation for a smart building as a building block for a smart city. And that is the excitement of smart buildings, which was at one time deemed somewhat um, mature and uh, not as exciting. It's a very exciting segment right now. And so, of course, as a a thought leader in the industry, you're seeing a lot of these uh, coming trends emerge for for smart buildings and automation. Uh, What are some of the most exciting things that you've seen or that you've gotten excited about that are on the horizon? I think people... um, are revisiting the business models. Uh, For example, uh, some of the products like diesel generators, HVAC equipment, uh, they work for uh, many, many years. And the vendors are looking at subscription services for this rather than selling it once and um, pretty much uh, not getting a whole lot from the customers. Similarly, the customers are looking at converting the huge CapEx investment into OpEx so that they can budget better, they can plan better, And they literally have the vendors uh, available to deliver the service rather than just the equipment. And I think this is a new business model is emerging, especially for high-value assets. Uh, Other exciting areas are insurance companies are jumping on this bandwagon because uh, applications like predictive maintenance um, will tell them which customers are good customers that take care of the equipment Uh, which customers are the ones where the equipment is uh, old or not well taken care of, that's likely to fail, uh, where uh, pretty much one failure could wipe out uh, the profits for these insurance companies. Uh, I've talked to a few that have agreed with me on this thesis. Uh, So this is also an uh, incentive-driven application and service economy in some sense. And the third area is um, understanding the user context. This is where the building speaks to the users or the users speak to the building, both ways. 
the service was tailored for uh, Shelby and Nagesh and other users. The services are tailored to the energy conservation um, rules and uh, policies that the company might have put. So there are many ways of tailoring the behavior of the building in an automated fashion uh, while delivering greater comfort and saving money in terms of operational costs, energy savings, etc. And, and that is uh, enabled by what I call modern IoT. Uh, combines the old with the new, protects the investment, and lays the foundation for edge analytics, machine learning, and rich policy automation. If you'd indulge me for uh, for a minute, I wonder if we can put on a little bit of a crystal ball or um, a little bit more of a, a speculative uh, hat here. And what are some of the most unique uses that you see for smart building technology and automation uh, coming into fruition in, in the in the future? I'll tell you the use cases that we are repeatedly hearing from our enterprise customers. Bottom line, we as vendors, either we need to save money or help them make more money. Saving money would map to operational costs. So the use cases for operational efficiency, productivity, and the comfort of the people using the various buildings is something people can understand and plan for and relate to the ROI. For example, uh, energy management. Uh, Why waste uh, energy when people are not using the service? Why not understand the usage pattern, the behaviors, and programmatically uh, let the building behave the way the users expect, right? And that is where automation is key. Nobody has the time or the wherewithal many times to manually go and do these things, and it's untenable and it's not scalable. Whereas if you build intelligent policy automation where the building services and applications understand the users, their location, their preferences, their daily patterns, uh, etc., and start learning what all need to be configured and when, uh, without compromising interoperability and comfort, uh, you save money. Um, You also save time to turn on these services uh, in a timely manner, et cetera. So there's a win-win for the owners of the building, the property managers, and the tenants. And I think we couldn't ask for anything more because, like I said, uh, smart buildings will lead to smart cities. This is a foundational building block, and we got to get it right. And if we extend the smart building analogy further, where everything is context-driven, you will actually reach what many call autonomous building, where all these things are autonomously being orchestrated through a highly intelligent set of applications and services. You save money, you drive greater comfort, and you actually have a living and breathing building catering to the needs of the people. So when you mention um, energy savings uh, is is certainly a key interest for building owners as well as as companies. The technology that's being used to to assess where the employees are, is this what I've read in um, in some articles about employers able to tell if you're at your desk? Of course, uh, this this headline came out and it was a little bit of a, if you will, kind of a, a big brother like, oh no, they can tell me when I'm at my desk. But it seems like that is the technology that needs to be used in order to tell uh, where people are basically working and where they are not, right? Um, that is true. Um, 
Definitely, security and privacy concerns are legitimate and need to be addressed. Uh, what I meant by smart buildings and even autonomous buildings is uh, understanding the context. You wouldn't mind at all if when you entered the parking lot of your building, it tells you where you should park. It knows uh, your preferences, the type of car you may have. You probably are willing to share that information uh, just to get this extra uh, level of uh, benefit and comfort. Similarly, uh, if you if your company or you share uh, certain meeting aspects, which are not, I wouldn't say they're totally um, uh, infringing on security because it can stay within the intranet of the company and it can actually guide you to the room. It can actually turn on the air conditioner when people are there. You save energy, it also helps you. It is relevant to take care of security, but the benefits of sharing appropriate information for the context to orchestrate services around HVAC, lighting, parking lot, elevator, calendar management, the benefits uh, actually outweigh the concerns. I, I have to agree with you on that. Certainly there's, uh, having worked in a smart building for years, there is nothing more frustrating than than uh, going over to the conference room you planned on and it, it's, it's full. Of course, the building that we had, the technology for sensing and scheduling those those uh, conference rooms wasn't working. So, uh, so certainly the the benefit is completely understandable. And uh, yeah, having some help in uh, finding a parking space, well, that's that's very helpful too. In fact, I get that use case from universities, uh, from students, then even in a multi-story building where. Um, early morning people are uh, rushing to their meetings. So these services need to be thought in a holistic manner. Uh, that's one message I want to emphasize. And this is where uh, the need to bust the silos across applications and services is fundamental. You cannot have stovepipes of applications like HVAC application, lighting application, parking lot, surveillance, etc. Because Different vendors offer these applications. They have different policy systems, different networks, different sensors, etc. And they don't talk to one another. And this is what I call the interoperability problem. That is also to be addressed in order to realize the vision of a true smart building. Uh, you mentioned uh, savings in energy. Um, for example, just moving from traditional lighting to LED can easily save 50 to 60% um, virtually instantaneously. And then you add policy-based lighting, you'll save another 10, 15%. So I feel in a few years, lighting would be fairly optimized. But look at HVAC. That can generate 20 to 35% of savings because these machines consume a lot of power to maintain the temperature and humidity and other things in the building. And here, the intelligence needs to be more modernized, where you have variable frequency drive for the HVAC. You're able to adjust the dampers based on the number of people in the room or the building or the conference room, etc. And this level of automation is slowly coming. It's not there. And I think as the buildings get refreshed, uh, more modern methods are applied. And we also need to retrofit some of the older buildings to deliver these savings. Uh, I project 20 to 35% just by doing these types of things. Those things certainly affect us all. So, well, Kitter, thank you so much for, for joining me. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm uh, looking forward to 
seeing more smart buildings deployed in the US and um, more smart cities, which have many, many smart buildings in them. Thank you. Absolutely. And thanks to you listeners for listening to today's podcast. If you'd like to find out more or listen to previous episodes, you can head to marketscale.com slash industries to subscribe to articles, podcasts, and creative video. Until next time, I'm your host, Shelby Skirhawk.